Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Peraldino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You could go on forever. Stitcher, Double Twist. Thank you always for joining me today. Tune in radio, of course, which is a wonderful application as well. Just make sure you download and not stream the show because the downloads certainly help for a potential business in the future. Beautiful day outside. Beautiful clear skies. You got some, uh, well, I guess it's mostly clear, but like 99% clear. <laughs> you got some fall colors. Some and some not, but that's fine. I'm not in any huge rush for the Leafs to all come down just yet. That just means more work. But Minnesota Vikings end up pulling out a victory in Houston, Texas. Final score today of 31-23. to So, are we tanking for Trevor or whatever the heck you want to do? I don't know, uh, but we beat a team that, well, they have probably... Uh, you know, maybe of equal talent. Both of these teams have playoff-level talent in terms of their star players, but, you know, like top-heavy and such. And the talent of the Minnesota Vikings offense is continuing to show for the most part, not necessarily at the quarterback position all the time, but sometimes Houston obviously has that at their quarterback position, especially compared to other positions. But uh, the coaching of Houston, not so good. Uh, Bill O'Brien just continues to get worse and 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 worse. Well, it just kind of is what it is. Uh, I don't like to come up here and act like I'm smarter than Bill O'Brien at coaching football, but I don't know. He's not that good. Uh, and it's becoming more and more evident to Houston fans, I'm sure. Uh, strange, strange decision-making down the stretch, running the ball when you're trailing by like double digits with like not that much time left in the game. I, I don't know. Strange, strange decision-making. Obviously, we already uh, vented about the David Johnson move, and Duke Johnson. That was where things got even worse. It's not only really running the ball, but they were running it with their backup running back. Now the guy they give up DeAndre Hopkins for or anything. Uh, somebody got, somebody named Duke Johnson. It's the other D. Johnson, the other DJ in Houston, Texas. But, well, Minnesota wins the game. Uh, do I feel super excited? Not yet. Obviously, it's way too early at this point. We're still 1-3. It's still an awful record. Kirk Cousins' completion percentage was decent, almost 73%. Quarterback rating of 127.1. He did not turn the ball over, but there was the usual, he didn't sense pressure the way you'd like him to, but at least he didn't fumble. Uh, multiple times, though, just the same old overthrow, underthrow nonsense. Generally speaking, he was accurate, but there was a key play late in the game, a couple of key plays late in the game where he underthrew the ball that could have pretty much put Houston on ice and we wouldn't have had to worry about you know, some questionable coaching decisions by Bill O'Brien or just uh, thank God that <laughs> thank all that ball brought, thank God that the ball was not brought in in the end uh, boy that was a close one by uh, Fuller there that was a close play uh, that could have been devastating for Minnesota and well it wouldn't have given us a loss but it might have sent things into overtime and it's just a headache and a pain in the butt to go through that all over again we saw Dan Bailey miss a field goal today as well in the 40 yards range, 45 yards away. That was not the funnest thing I've ever seen either. Extremely frustrating. Uh, Britton Colquitt did not get another touchback. That's good. Still did not get a touchback. Brian Anger did, which helped us a little bit. He would have been spectacular for his overall average. 50 yards punting, and they're going to need Brian Anger as long as the uh, coaching decisions and the offensive uh, play calling is done by Bill O'Brien, who I thought was a pretty good offensive coordinator with the New England Patriots, but I don't know. The coaching tree... And, of course, that was in only in 2011. He got the head coaching job for Penn State right away after that. Uh, but generally speaking, 
I don't know. It's just a mess in Houston. It's just a mess. Uh, the morale is not good. The fan base was booing. The fan base was frustrated. But on the other side of the ball, the purple and gold, this and that, that's the feature presentation of the show, I would have to say, is the Vikings out there playing well. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, right back where he started last week, didn't have the spectacular 77-yard play or anything, but again, making catches and forcing, or and, and getting yards after the catch. Adam Thielen, several big plays along the way. Justin Jefferson, again, was underthrown. That's the only target that failed. Four catches on five targets. And Adam Thielen was underthrown late in the game as well, which could have put the game away. Just flat out put it away. Wouldn't have given Deshaun Watson the ball, given them an opportunity. Where they could have tied the thing up in two-point conversion, who knows? It's just classic Kirk Cousins. It just is. He'll put up the numbers. He'll make the big spectacular throws. He'll just make some really good throws, per se. And then next thing you know, he'll underthrow a guy at the most inopportune time or overthrow Adam Thielen at the most inopportune time. And that's just how I'm going to keep feeling about it. Go ahead and unfollow me because I'm too negative. But (laughs) I'm glad the Vikings won in terms of just the morale, the good feeling, and the fact that this offense is awesome. Uh, It doesn't matter who's calling the plays at this point. The talent is there. Obviously, Kirk Cousins has the arm. The mindset of a winning quarterback, I don't see it. But the arm is there. The special skills called the arm. A throwing arm is there for Kirk Cousins. He doesn't have the special skills of sensing pressure and that gamesmanship in those big moments. I just, you know, it's there sometimes when, when it feels like it. I know Kirk Cousins wants to win. I know he has the competitive fire. That's why you get the you like that and all that. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, something's always been missing from Kirk Cousins. And that's why when he signed the giant contract a couple years back in the first place, I wasn't, I didn't have that magical feeling like when Brett Favre showed up at Winter Park. I mean, I was dancing like Twinkle Toe, and I don't dance for nobody. <laughs> I will never dance. Don't, don't, don't even ask me. <laughs> Unless I score a touchdown and I'm making millions of dollars. That's about it. But I, that's not happening right now. And I'm 41, so it's absolutely not happening. Uh, that would be the only time you'd see me dance. Um, what the hell am I even talking about? Uh, it's, but no, at the end of the day, it's, a, it's an offense with unbelievable talent at the top, uh, obviously. And Kyle Rudolph made a couple of nice plays as well. Justin Jefferson, 103 yards. Adam Thielen, 114. And then, of course, you got, you know, the MVP of the team, I'd have to say. Went healthy, and he's been staying healthy. Let's knock on wood here if we can. That's Delvin Cook, about five yards a carry. Just utterly consistent throughout the entire game. It was like nine yards, eight yards, nine yards, eight yards. Went up with, again, 130 yards, 4.8 a carry, along of only 15. See, there was no big scamper, like 70-yard scamper, 65-yard scamper, something like that that would bring the average up. Like, wow, six yards a carry. But, yeah, he had, like, 20... 25 carries, and, you know, there was that one big play. How, how many times was it two yards in a cloud of dust? Not that many. There were a couple, because you're going to always get that. And unfortunately, Madison had a number of those today, unfortunately, but generally speaking, obviously, he's outstanding. Uh, some of the play calling late, when you needed those big plays, what was it, like second and long, second and nine, and you go to Madison, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Then you bring in Cook for third and six, and then you end up, you know, that was an, a very frustrating moment in the game. I believe the Vikings end up kicking a field goal and missing on that drive, if I remember correctly. That was the drive where the field goal was missed. So the frustration was mounting with Viking fans. Strange decision-making there on the Viking side of the ball as well, not just Bill O'Brien. Definitely not. Um, The only turnover in the game was a fumble from Mr. Carter on the other side. 
on the kickoff, which the Vikings again had a guaranteed, well, they didn't have a guaranteed anything, but we had a, uh, a very good chance of scoring a touchdown there. Obviously, because you're deep, very deep in Houston territory, you're in like the 20s, and you fail. You end up kicking the field goal there. That was the one that was made. Okay, so that's okay. You got your 31-yard make, which again tells you how close the Vikings were. 31 yards? That tells you how close the Vikings were. I mean, very much in the red zone. And, you know, it just was what it was. It just didn't work out. Uh, frustration there. Uh, you got to see George Ioka get a significant amount of playing time today. It's nice to see him back with the Vikings again. Remember with the Cincinnati Bengals in the past and a few years back, the Vikings, uh, Mike Zimmer and such, didn't put him in. And everybody was like, well, you got the guy for a reason. You know, he was actually pretty good at Cincinnati. And then he never played. But the more we see him now, it's like he looks kind of he looks kind of like he doesn't. I don't know. He's like out of position a lot, and that's not good for a safety when you need him. Uh, that was on one of the touchdowns later in the game. George Iloka was completely out of position on that one. He made a really good stop though on the goal line, which helped the Vikings big time. Also late in the game, so give him credit there. Huge stop there. He had five total tackles. Did George. Iloka, and the reason why Mr. Iloka had a significant amount of playing time in this game was because Harrison Smith got ejected on a big play down the field after a big deep completion, and there was the major uh, major collision, I believe, on Atkins. Uh, could have caused a concussion, a helmet to helmet type of play where Harrison Smith lowered his helmet. The announcers and everything were kind of like, what was he supposed to do, this and that, and so was Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer was furious. This was at the end of the half, basically, where the Vikings had the lead and were going to get the ball back, which sounds very familiar. And the Vikings stunk early on, which sounds familiar as well. Quick three and out. Houston marched on the field. Sounds just like last week, which was stupid, but that's how it goes. Uh, but no, the conclusion, helmet to helmet, and that's just not tolerated in the NFL nowadays, obviously. It probably wasn't intentional. In fact, it really wasn't. It's just that still he's got to be more careful, him being Harrison Smith on that play. I'm not, I wasn't really flipping out about it. I was just kind of like, uh-oh, kind of like that, because I knew that was going to be a big problem, that the uh, the center of the field was going to be a little more open, and Deshaun Watson was going to test George Aloka, and he sure did quite a bit, and that's why Deshaun Watson went from an awful, horrendous first half. He looked like, he looked like garbage decision-making by Deshaun Watson. It wasn't just Bill O'Brien's decision-making. It was Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's decision-making decision that didn't make a whole lot of sense, and the accuracy was just off. He was just off for the longest time. But the lack of turnovers, his quarterback rating wound up with 110. And, of course, again, the uh, excellent second half by Deshaun Watson brought things up a bit. <clears throat> Still wound up with just over 60%. Back in the day, that was good. I remember when Warren Moon would complete 60% of his passes back in 94-ish. I was like, damn, he's good. You know, and then it's like, you know, compared to Jim McMahon, like 55%. But again, that's 26, 27 years ago. So so it's like, what the hell am I talking about, right? 60% is not considered good nowadays. Like 72.7, like Kirk Cousins, 73%, not bad. Um, obviously, those are just very bare basic statistics, like completion percentage. But <clears throat> it's important, obviously. And Kirk Cousins is... Inaccuracy in those key moments is unbelievably frustrating, and it tends to happen a lot. Some people, they just, you know, something's missing. Some people, it's just something's missing, and I've always felt that way about Kirk Cousins, and again, that's why I didn't get super excited about him coming from the Washington Redskins slash the uh, Washington Gophers. The Washington Golden Gophers was what they are now, the upside-down M. Uh, upside-down Golden M, that's about it. Vikings defense, generally speaking, was okay, but the secondary was, you know, it's what we're going to keep saying all season, a work in progress. Jeff Gladney, Holden Hill, and such uh, made some big deflections during the course of the game. 
I was very happy about it. It looks like they took one of them away. It couldn't be. I, I thought Dantzler had one, but I know Holden Hill and Jeff Gladney both had some nice deflections, and, and this was early on when Mr. Watson of Houston was struggling a bit. It was nice. It was really nice to see, and uh, Yannick Ngagwe got another stack in the game. He was wreaking some havoc along the way. Didn't get the big key play late in the game, which the announcers were calling for. Like, let's shut Houston down, that type of thing. Guys like uh, Greg Jennings, like, it's time for Yannick Ngakwe to make that big play. <laughs> but uh, it didn't happen down the stretch. But generally speaking, Ngagwe just continues to be the best player on the Vikings' defensive line. That's, there's no question about that. But, I mean, he stands out as probably the best overall player on the defense other than Eric Hendricks, who was just beautiful most of the game today in coverage and made a huge deflection later on in the game. Great play, and Anthony Harris as well. Very solid, I'd have to say. The corners are going to get tested, Gladney and Dantzler. I mean, they're literally rookies, and oof, I mean, it's, uh, it's scary sometimes. Uh, and Holden Hill, again, you know, nice deflection early on, but the rest of the game, he wasn't that good. Uh, he made some big plays, he made some stops at times, and then he got beat, and then he made some stops, and then he got beat. It was just kind of a back and forth with Holton Hill, and I think he's a below-average cornerback in this league. Third year in the league, eight-game suspension last year, and ever since that eight-game suspension, since he returned, awful, I think. Or I think he's been well below average. Uh, his first year with the Minnesota Vikings as an undrafted rookie when he was supposed to go probably in the upper half of the draft, he was really good, and everybody saw some skill, some hope. You saw special skills out of Holton Hill that we're not seeing now. Is it a tell? Is it the fact that he just is mentally shot from that eight-game suspension? I don't know. Or he's just never really was that good. Maybe it was just a, a, a hot start and quarterbacks figured him out a bit. Whatever it is, he, he hasn't been that great. Uh, he was better today than other games, than the first couple games. But generally speaking, the first two especially, but generally speaking, oftentimes you see him behind receivers and that's just not good. Obviously, it's a devastating situation. Uh, Gladney as well was beat on multiple occasions. Danster was beat on multiple occasions. I think you have a lot of hope with those guys. Holton Hill, I think he kind of is what he is. I think he is what he is, a below-average cornerback. He's he's a backup, and I don't know if he's going to be here much longer at the end of the season. We'll see. It depends on how things go and how well Jeff Gladney and Cameron Danster, Cam Danzler, continue to develop. Uh, Danster does not stand out the way they were talking about in training camp and such and mini camps and all that. Uh, that's just kind of the way things go there. Todd Davis, couple tackles, mostly special teams entering the game. This and that. Uh, nice to see Ngakwe again get another sack. You got to see DJ Wunham get in there as well for a rare sack. Good for him. Good for him. No question about that. Again, multiple pass deflections for our secondary. That felt good, but at the same time, you know, they, they gave up lots of yards in the game and especially down the stretch when it looked like we were going to lose the game. A Holden Hill, very key penalty in a moment as well, which gave Houston a chance again later in the game when it looked like we were going to make a stop. And the next thing you know, it's first down Houston because of pass interference, and then the drive was still alive. <laughs> Rhyme not in, not intended, it just happened. Um, that was uh, that was very frustrating, No, no question about that. Yeah, it was extremely frustrating to see. But Holden Hill, again, it's just, he's kind of like, he kind of reminds me of Trey Waynes, but like a worse version of Trey Waynes. Uh, a piss-poor version of Trey Waynes, basically, is what he is right now. Uh, like, bargain basement. You know, I mean, he'll allow the catch, he'll make the tackle, yay. He'll allow the catch, and he'll make the tackle. He'll allow, you get the idea. It's just an ongoing cycle that continues to frustrate many. 
a Minnesota Viking fan. Again, as Kirk Cousins, his completions uh, are, are nice at times, but then the inaccurate throws at the most inopportune times are what drive everybody crazy. They lead to one thing. Like, one thing leads to another when it comes to Kirk Cousins' incomplete plays. You get the incompletion. Now you fail on a play that could have been huge, could have put the game on ice. Next thing you know, magically, just magically, the other team, be it Houston, Green Bay, uh, Indianapolis, who the heck cares, they're going to march down the field and make something happen. Happened with Tennessee, too. So, I mean, it's just four weeks in a row with that one, and it's happened throughout most of his career, particularly with the Vikings. I guess I wasn't sitting and watching Washington Golden Gopher games on a daily basis, and of course they were the Redskins, and I'll keep saying that because they were. They've been, they were the Redskins for 80 years, so <laughs> it just is what it is there. Uh, interesting, interesting scores we'll be talking about in segment number two. Can't wait to talk about that. Segment number two is so much fun. So much fun, except for the Thursday game. But I guess that was actually quite entertaining, even though it's two hideous teams going back and forth. And yeah, oh my God, Adam Gaines sucks. But so does uh, Bill O'Brien, and so does uh, Dan Quinn. Oh man, There's, they have no chance, do they? Do they have any chance of returning? <laughs> do they have any chance of making it to the end of the season? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> Phil Mackey was saying that Bill Bryan's going to be fired by tomorrow. He, he he believes that just because of the horrible decision-making during the course of the game. Um, but, well, he's the general manager as well, so we'll have to wait and see with that. Let's get to Justin Jefferson. Like, why am I just going on and on about negative crap? So I apologize about that. Uh, obviously, the guy can create separation, and he just makes plays. And the way he's able to take uh, change direction and his concentration level is off the charts. How many wide receivers have come here? They'll make the change in direction, but they just won't make the play. They just won't make the play, regardless if it's an inaccurate pass, inaccurate pass, this and that. Um, The guy makes big plays, and I'm going to say this right here and right now. Obviously, a couple of different, I mean, they're, they're different players, but there's some similarities as well. The fact that Justin Jefferson can break tackles and uh, his shiftiness is able to get people you know, you know, is able to create separation and break tackles, which is not something every wide receiver can do because maybe it's a lankier guy. They don't have the shiftiness where Justin Jefferson does. I already like Justin Jefferson more than Percy Harvin. I said it. I, I don't care. Go ahead and go ahead and rip me. Go ahead and laugh at me. No, I already like Justin Jefferson more than Percy Harvin. Uh, there was always something missing with Percy Harvin as well. There always was. And one of the words was the big C, consistency. Just like Kirk Cousins, the big C consistency. Yeah. Oh, he made the big drive down the field. Well, do it again. Damn it. Do it again once in a while. Not twice a year. We could we could use it in the postseason twice. You might have to do it four times in the postseason to win a Super Bowl. Once isn't going to get it done. It, it's nice. You won a game. You like that and everything, but I don't like the next week. I don't like the next week, buddy. <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh, man. But no, Justin Jefferson, a star is born. You know, he doesn't stand out like a Randy Moss, a Julio Jones. There's there's always that. There's always that Uber tier, and I don't know if he's there. Maybe someday he will be. But clearly there's something serious going on with Justin Jefferson. Like, this guy is legitimate. Obviously, Adam Thielen is a Pro Bowl type of player forever. He is outstanding. And again, what a great another, uh, what a great week for him again. He did everything out there. He didn't underachieve in one, in one way, in my humble opinion. Justin Jefferson just gotta love what you're seeing there, though. Again, the way he, his concentration and his able his ability to uh, make plays after the catch is what makes him so valuable. And again, I already like him more than Percy Harvin. I'm saying it, and I mean it. I mean, it, I mean it with everything I got. Uh, 
I, I really do. Uh, I'm happy with K.J. Osborne as a kick returner as well. I see promise there. I don't see explosivity necessarily. I don't see Cordero Patterson running for 90 yards to pay dirt, but hopefully he gets free a couple times. It'd be nice. Uh, he's got some ability to create separation as well, and that's good. Uh, K.J. Osborne, definitely some uh, some hope there. Nice uh, fumble recovery as well. I'm forgetting the guy's name at this point. Yeah, <laughs> he's, so, he's been so much out of the mix. Uh, but uh, gotta love it. The uh, the sixth receiver on the Vikings roster, basically, behind KJ Osborne and all the others, and Ola B.C. Johnson, who again, that he was unable to make a play. Ola B.C. Johnson could have been big. It's unfortunate for him. He's been buried now because Justin Jefferson, I think, I think he's okay. I think Justin Jefferson's going to be a full time wide receiver now, if we like it or not. He's going to get the. He's going to get a lot of targets. He's going to get. A, he's going to get. Uh, he's going to be very special. Basically, Thielen's the uh, the Carter. And Jefferson's the Moss at this point. That's kind of how it is. Like, Thielen's going to be the reliable guy, but of course, he's got a little more speed, I think, than Chris Carter. I think so. Carter wasn't that fast, but he could be at times. And then Justin Jefferson is that big play guy who can do something special. But what's good about him, again, is in traffic. The way he can keep his concentration and make the play, despite the fact, you know, he's got somebody draped over him. He still makes the play. He still makes the play. That's what's awesome about uh, Justin Jefferson long-term, and of course, you know, Delvin Cook's ability to just move the ball forward, just to be consistently moving the ball forward, moving the chains, running the clock down, except when Alexander Madison was in there and wasn't as good, even though I still think he's got starting running back material in him. I still think he could be, but uh, we're thrilled as you-know-what to have him. Uh, Delvin Cook, though, again, his ability out there is something to admire in a huge way. Red zone. He's the biggest red zone threat on the roster. You, you want to say it's Thielen? You want to say it's Jefferson? You want to say it's jump ball uh, <laughs> Rudolph the redhead tight end? I think it's Delvin Cook, and I don't think there's any question about it. He is the best red zone threat on the team because his ability to break tackles is as good as we've had on the Minnesota Vikings. And that's with any running back we've had. I think he's better at breaking tackles than Adrian Peterson. Is he a better running back than Adrian? Not yet. He needs to stay healthy, obviously. He needs to be consistent, but if he does, he, he is going to be... <laughs> if Delvin Cook stays healthy, are you ready for big statement number two? He's going to be a Hall of Fame running back. The, he will be a Hall of Famer in this league if he stays healthy. There's no question about it. His ability to just get around people. And that doesn't matter if it's the worst run defense in the NFL or the best run defense in the NFL. He still is a factor. He's still able to do something special when it matters. And again, a long of 15. He didn't have to break loose to still get that 130. The fact that he can get the first downs on a regular basis and with such ease or set you up for the next play, second and one, that, you know, you're you're ready to go. You're just literally ready to go to keep moving the chains. And at least you get in field goal range at the, at the end of the day. But in the red zone, Delvin Cook's uh, ability to get the job done is something that uh, this this... 12-year host, 13-year host of Purple Mafia is enjoying very much. I'm enjoying it very much, and I've been blessed with good running backs since I've done Purple Mafia. Obviously, going back to 92, obviously, I didn't do Purple Mafia until 2008, but, I mean, 92, I had Terry Allen. He was so damn good, and then he had the ACL and beginning of 93 before he got to play, and then it was just running back by committee the whole year. You had hope with Robert Smith, but he got hurt right away, and he wasn't good that good right away. 94, you had hope with Robert Smith. He was just not ready to go. You had uh, 
I think he had chicken pox that year too. You had Terry Allen again, but he just he was a step slower. Still got to a thousand yards, but barely. And then he was much better with Washington, like right after that. That figured, and he lasted for a uh, a while after that. To Terry Allen, eventually became more of a backup. I'm trying to think of. Uh, yeah, but then after that, Robert Smith became more of the main running back, but he kept getting freaking hurt, 95, 96, 97. And then 98, he finally stayed healthy most of that year, and it was a beautiful thing. I think 97 was Robert Smith's first year where he actually stayed healthy, and he was like a legit pro bowler. Uh, but he had big moments. He led the team in rushing all time because, you know, unfortunately, uh, Chuck Foreman didn't last all that long. He was only in the league about seven years, but he was damn good. Uh, Adrian Peterson, obviously Hall of Fame, but then to the point, I've been blessed since 2008, 2007 really, when I started doing video Paladino Live covering the Vikings, Adrian's rookie year, I've been just damn blessed, Adrian to Delvin, um, but I was just basically going over how running back history was okay, there were some great years here and there, but now it's just been a, a you know, kind of like Favre and Rogers for me when it comes to running backs in Minnesota It's 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 been like that in a big way, like Favre to Rogers. <laughs> it's been beautiful, it's just unfortunately Cook got hurt in, those, uh, in 17 but he's, he, he was here at the very least, and there, were, there was hope with him as uh, being something very special for many years. With that said, let's pass out the uh, pass out the awards for this week's matchup. The Fran Tarkington Award is going to go to Delvin Cook. That's just how it's going to go. Of course, honorable mention to uh, Cousins and, and uh, Justin Jefferson. The Christian Potter Memorial. Uh, do I want to keep picking on Holden Hill? I, I, I don't want to, but I almost have to. Obviously, that penalty, I think, sealed it for him. In a lot of ways, the offensive line was better. Drew Samia was terrible last week. He was definitely a Ponder Memorial type of guy. Uh, I, I don't want to keep picking on you, Holden Hill, but it's not been good, obviously. And it kind of sucks not seeing Irv, Irv Smith and Ola B.C. Johnson not getting involved at all. That's kind of sad and scary a little bit. Even Dan Bailey missed a kick. So there were some frustrating moments. Some of the weird play calling. Harrison Smith with the, getting ejected was not good. It didn't help us at all. It really didn't. I got to come back to Holden Hill again. He just gets beat too much. And again, the penalty, the key penalty, the pass interference penalty that kept the Vikings, you know, in a position to possibly choke this sucker away, which would have been depressing. It would have sent us to like, oh, and 16, the way we're going. Okay. It wouldn't have been that bad, but maybe it would have. <laughs> and I know you want to, you want to tank for Trevor, but I don't know. It's not fun to tank though. At the same time, it really sucks. <sighs> Kansas City didn't have the worst record in the league when they got the best quarterback in the world. They didn't have the worst record. You just make the move when you have to make the move. You you get it done somehow, some way. Yeah, and, and Teddy Bridgewater was the last pick in the first round. He's not he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's still somebody that I would love to have quarterback of the Vikings for the next five to five to ten years. Kirk Cousins, I, 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 two years maximum is. That's it. Once the contract's up, it's like adios, bye-bye. Damn it. It's got to be. With that said, Christian Ponder has to be holding the hill. And I'm for, I'm sorry, Holton. It's not as bad this time, but I'm still still passing it out to you. With that said, we'll be back for the fun, enjoyable NFL Roundup, NFC North Roundup, and previewing the Seattle Seahawks in primetime next week. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Well, we'll that'll be the... Yeah, that's that's what we're going to talk about in segment number two is playing the Seahawks. Oh, goody.
And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time to look around the league and, of course, the NFC North. But, unfortunately, the Green Bay Packers will be in primetime again tomorrow night. They will uh, be joined also by the Chiefs and Patriots, which could be an epic battle. Or will it be? Now there's no Cam Newton. Coronavirus this, coronavirus that. you got Tennessee Titans up to 20 players, or, or 20 people, basically, coaches and players involved with that one, including the President of the United States and the First Lady. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Interesting planet we live on right now when it comes to that. Sunday night football flashing in the background as per tradition for segment number two. 49ers hosting the Eagles. I think we have a pretty good idea who's going to win that game. But it's still entertaining. Nice to see the Niners. Though uh, Nick Mullins going to be the quarterback for San Francisco again. Ugh, yeah, Philadelphia. Boy, oh boy. Not the same, is it? Not the same at all. Let's uh, try to bounce around. You got the Thursday night game as per tradition nowadays, which is okay. Denver versus the New York Jets. Adam Gaze is, uh, well, is he down to hours or is he down to weeks? Is he down to week days? Is he down to hours, days, or weeks when it comes to his job? I'm not trying to be an ass about it. It's just the way it is. I mean, it's just not a good, not a good mix. It was an entertaining game in terms of like the back and forth and the offense. I mean, you saw scoring. Isn't that what people want? I mean, don't people want, you know, Kansas City 49, Los Angeles Rams, like, or no, yeah, like Kansas City 56, Los Angeles Rams 49, or vice versa, whatever it was a couple of years ago. Is, isn't that what everybody wants? Come on now, isn't that what we all want? Or or does defense still count once in a while? <sighs> Brett Rippian. Brett Rippian. Hmm. Well, 61% field goal percentage, or, or yeah, free, free throw percentage, right? Yeah, I had NBA Finals on in the background earlier. I'll be bouncing for that maybe here and there, but... Uh, uh, the uh, passing percentage, completion percentage, yeah, not a good game. Three interceptions. Brett Rippian, you know, Mark Rippian wasn't that good either, by the way. But he did win in, uh, to, to be fair, he did win the Super Bowl in the Metrodome many years ago. in Super Bowl 26, Super Bowl 26, Melvin Gordon ran the ball well. Tim Patrick, 113 yards in the air, good for him. This and that, New York Jets, Sam Darnold, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, and when I heard about Joe Flacco in the game with the Jets and the Broncos, it's like, you know, he's, oh yeah, he's, he's on the Broncos. No, he's on the Jets. That's kind of funny. Completed a couple passes. Sam Darnold was just, ah, you know, he's not been an accurate quarterback. He, he really hasn't. He did rush for a touchdown, a 46-yard scamper. Good for him. Jamison, Jamison Crowder, as I'll try to calm down here, 104 yards in the air. The Jets are just a disaster, though. It's a bleeping shame. It sucks. Uh, Frank Gore, again, get the cane going. His lung was six. Not 16, not, certainly not 60, but <clears throat> six. Uh, 2.3 a carry. Yeah, the Jets suck. The Jets suck, and Adam Gaze is supposed to be this offensive genius. At least he was when he came to the New York Jets, and he's not an offensive genius. Uh, he's just not, and it's not working out at all. So if they want to salvage Sam Darnold's uh, future... Better make the move soon because uh, it's not working. <laughs> it's not working at all. Thirty-seven twenty-eight. Congratulations, Brancos, to joining the Vikings. Or should we say the Vikings joining the Brancos as uh, teams that are now one and three? At least we got out of the winless department. Cincinnati Bengals joined the winless department as well. Good for them. So you know we're we're happy for all these teams. Of course they were they were winless, but they had a tie mixed in. So they're one of those weird teams with a one-two and one record. The freaking Eagles and the freaking Bengals. High, ick, absolute yuck. Jacksonville started the season strong and they're back to sucking again. One and three on the year. 
Jacksonville would technically be behind Cincinnati, and, well, maybe they should be because Joe Burrow's going to be an awesome quarterback. The cop or Civil War veteran, I don't know what you'd like to call him, but uh, Gardner Minshew, the 80s cop or Civil War veteran, it's about a 120-year difference or so. But, you know, it is what it is. Who the hell are these guys? I mean, LaVisca, Chanel Jr., maybe he's your sixth uh, wide receiver in fantasy football because you got real bored and wanted to have a sixth wide receiver or DJ Clark Jr. They did well. I mean, DJ Clark Jr. got a couple touchdowns in the game. That's nice. Uh, James Hollywood Robinson, I like to call him that every week, I guess. He's been a solid running back for the uh, Jacksonville Tankers because uh, I, I think uh, Trevor would look good with that club. Maybe. Maybe he would, but it would look good with Jacksonville. But uh, I don't know. Jaguars are just, ugh. I mean, that's just been a nothing team for like 15, 20 years, I swear. Except for that one little year where they popped up and Blake Bleepin' Bortles almost was quarterback in the Super Bowl. Can you imagine that? Just because everybody else around him was good. Ooh, yeah. Oh, boy. Joe Burrow, yeah, he's, he's going to be good. There's no question about that, but it's still kind of a, you know, still a work in progress. The, the Joe was Joe Mixon, 151 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, fantasy ballers rejoice. Again, I'm like, what, 12 years retired from fantasy football now, or is it 10 years? It's been 10 years. I don't miss it. I'm not coming back. So don't 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 ask, right? <laughs> no, no, nobody has asked anymore, which is funny. Um, Tyler Boyd, 90 yards in the air. Solid game for Cincinnati. Nice to see them play well and finally get something going. 33-25 to 25 over Jacksonville. Hey, if you have to beat a crappy team to get started, so be it. This might have been the most entertaining game of the entire week, at least so far, because, well, we'll see if San Francisco puts up like 660 against this Philadelphia defense, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. San Francisco is more known for their defense anyway lately. You know, it ain't Steve Young or Joe Montana anymore, or Jeff Garcia or whoever else. How about the Cleveland Browns? How about them Cleveland Browns? 49, speaking of 49ers, 49-38 to 38 over the Dallas Cowboys, the arch rival for the Niners back in the day. Very entertaining battle there. Uh, Baker Mayfield coming through, good for him. Jarvis Landry also on that reverse play, heaving the ball up to his his uh, <laughs> his, uh, his strange-looking teammate. No, his goofy teammate, Odell Beckham Jr. What a nice play, 37-yard pass to for a touchdown, of course, perfect quarterback rating for Jarvis Landry. Good for him. One throw and a touchdown. I mean, that's a perfect quarterback rating. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys were mounting an impressive comeback, but the Cleveland Browns just were just too good today, and good for them. I mean, I love it. I'm very happy. I don't like the Cowboys. I've never liked the Cowboys, except for when Randall Cunningham was their quarterback, and uh, or at least for the short time, Bill Parcells was the coach. I mean, I was enjoying Cunningham and all that. And I've always been a Bill Parcells fan, I guess. I I guess I have been, except with the Patriots for some strange reason. I don't know why I didn't like him there, but I don't know. With the Giants, he was classic and all that. Prescott, though, again, trying to mount that comeback like he got last week, which I equally didn't enjoy a whole lot. That was a bummer. But uh, Cleveland, though, this week, getting the job done. Good for them. 49-38. to 38. Very, very cool. Again, uh Valiant comeback effort, but the Cowboys are one in three. Don't get, don't look now, but they have the same record as the Vikings. And this was a team that was probably supposed to win the NFC uh, NFC East, and it's not looking good. The Eagles stuck, the Cowboys stuck, the Giants are not good, and the Washington Golden Gophers. Wow, you might get a seven win division champion this year, and you probably will. 
they uh yeah what 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 a mess what an absolute mess but cleveland's three and one cleveland is three and one congratulations vince germano and his lakers just came back after uh turning the ball over like 11 times in the first quarter and the game's tied that's just how it is i mean <laughs> the lakers and miami heat that's just how that finals is gonna go i mean it is. I mean, it is. It'd be nice to get a competitive six or seven round uh, series, but I think it's going to be four or five. And Vince is scared to death, and I understand. Until you get the trophy, you're not comfortable. If the Vikings were blowing somebody out in the Super Bowl, I would be, my knees would be knocking until that clock says triple zero, man. I mean, I'm not satisfied until it's absolutely done. I don't care who they're blowing out. If it's 49 to 16 or something in the fourth quarter, just let the clock keep ticking, and then we can celebrate. Of course, the problem was the only problem would be would be anticlimactic because it would be a blowout. Let's stop dreaming right now. That's so far away from happening, unfortunately. Gotta love what Cleveland's doing. Maybe they can make some kind of a playoff run this year. I hope they do. Actually, Miles Garrett. He's not busy, uh, you know, trying to kill people with helmets. Uh, he got two sacks, so he was able to accomplish that. Good for him. A couple of sacks there. He was able to knock the quarterback out the uh, old-fashioned way with a couple of sacks. On Dak, the sack on Dak, a very mobile quarterback, and good for him. That's nice, though. I'm very happy to see Cleveland doing well, especially after such a uh, chaotic season last year. Very chaotic year. Detroit New Orleans. This is always one of those high-scoring games, kind of sloppy. De- Detroit New Orleans. It seems like it's always like this between these two teams, and the same team wins every Mickey freaking time, regardless what it is. It's always the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, the New Orleans Saints defeating the Detroit Lions. The Lions actually won a game so far this year. Remember, they beat Arizona last week. Pretty impressive. New Orleans, though, with a 21-point second quarter. That made a big difference. Detroit tried to mount a bit of a comeback in the second half, but they fell short, just like we always like to say about our Minnesota teams in this town. They just fell short. Breeze, uh, solid. Stafford, solid. Nice to see the two quarterbacks do well and all that. Adrian Peterson, only 36 yards on the ground today, so that's Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame uh, all-time yards rushing uh, watch, so to speak, with Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. Neither guy had an impressive week. Frank Gore was in the 20s, and Adrian was in the 30s. That's how it goes, because the Detroit Lions were behind forever. That's the one thing. That's the one thing. I mean, uh, the only way Adrian's going to get a starting job is going to be on a team that's not that good, necessarily. Unless it's a team that's spectacular everywhere else and desperately needs a running back. And right now, I guess that's Detroit. They're just spectacular. <laughs> the ever-rich uh, Elvin Kamara, again, got paid the same week as uh, our buddy Delvin Cook. Along with uh, Latavius Murray, the former backfield mate of our superstar Delvin Cook. Uh, both getting a job done on the ground in a big way. Both averaging almost five yards of carry. And Latavius Murray, two touchdowns. Kamara won. Three touchdowns between the two guys and about 150 yards on the ground between the two. A very balanced attack by the New Orleans Saints. Pretty fun. Pretty fun, actually. Uh, no Michael Thomas in the game, so Emmanuel Sanders got to kind of take over a bit, but Taquan Smith was the star of the day, at least in the end zone, with a couple of touchdowns. Fun, entertaining New Orleans team, with uh, no doubt about it, and a lot of fantasy bowlers like those New Orleans Saints, and that's not going to change for a while. <laughs> it's really not, even when Breeze retires, I'm sure. Next week's opponent, we'll get back to that shortly. The Seattle Seahawks. That's just great. Seattle Seahawks in Seattle on Sunday night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's going to go well. <laughs> I'm just being honest, okay? I'm just being honest, okay? 
Tampa Bay, 3-1. Not bad. And then they mounted a comeback. They were getting beat pretty badly in that first half. It was just Chargers were piling up the points, and Tampa was just not getting the job done. Next thing you know, Tampa's ahead, and they end up winning the game. And Tom Brady, five touchdown passes. That's got to be a record for a 43-year-old in the NFL, right? I don't think a whole lot of 43-year-olds have thrown five touchdown passes in a game. And the Chargers' defense was actually halfway decent once upon a time, wasn't it? Like, not that long ago? Justin Herbert, Justin Her- Justin Herbert with a three-touchdown game as well. Very, very efficient game. Still quarterback rating almost 140 despite the interception. And Brady seems to be getting at least one INT a week, unfortunately. But still, wow, what a game for him. Five touchdowns. That's, that's got to be special stuff. Uh, the highlights were a lot of fun to watch. Mike Evans, 48-yarder. Still showing off that arm as Tom Brady. That was a legitimate 48-yard touchdown throw from Tom Brady. 48-yard throw from a 43-year-old. He still got it. That is awesome. Scotty Miller also 44-yarder. O.J. Howard 28-yard play. Keyshawn Vaughn also getting in the end zone. And Cameron Brett, only one play. Three-yard touchdown for him from the legendary Tom Brady. Ryan Suckup, the former chief. Don't ask me how I know that, but I know. I know it from a certain podcast that I can't mention ever again. <laughs> and Ryan stuck up though. Good job, I guess. No, he actually missed a kick in the game, unfortunately. Jason Pierre Paul and Dominic Sue, all these old veterans assembling the stars aligning for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go to the Super Bowl this year. And they're hoping so. They gotta get past Seattle or Green Bay though first. And or might have to get past both. So that'd be quite an impressive feat for a forty three year old quarterback with a fairly talented but aging roster around him. Uh, damn good receivers, though, and hit shows. Los Angeles Chargers dropped to 1-3, and three, unfortunately. As uh, talented as they are, they're just not ready yet, unfortunately. Antoine Winfield Jr. getting a couple tackles in the game. That's former Gopher watch right there, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, our wide receiver, former wide receiver, not a factor still to this day. That's unfortunate. Uh, that is unfortunate. Mm. Yep, I wish the Gopher receiver was still was being a part of things there, but it's just not been happening. Hopefully someday he'll be in the mix and uh, catching passes from Tom Brady. That'd be awesome. Baltimore versus the Washington Golden Gophers. Gotta love the maroon with the with the W there, but gotta just switch it around. The Washington Golden Gophers, maroon and gold club, getting beat pretty handily by a Baltimore club that's I think very much a Super Bowl contender. As good as the Chiefs are, Lamar Jackson, solid game, couple touchdowns. And INT only sacked once because he's just too fast. Dwayne Haskins Jr., probably a solid game, a solid game as he's going to get. He didn't throw for any touchdowns, but did get 314 yards in the air. Quarterback rating of 90. That's pretty much all you're going to get from him at his best. I, I don't see a whole lot going on there. Uh, very mobile on the ground was Lamar Jackson getting a 50-yard scamper to pay dirt. Good for him. At least very mobile with one play. Other than that, it was just kind of short little things along the way and probably some losses also, because that's just how it goes on occasion. Marquise Brown, 86 yards in the air. Terry McLaren, McLaren, pardon me, not McLaren, McLaren, 118 yards in the air for Mr. Uh, Dwayne Hoskins. Good for him. Good for him, but just an easy, solid win for, for Baltimore, and that's just how it goes. Just a better team. Baltimore is just a better team. Not a whole lot to say about that one, I'd have to say. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater getting win number two today, and he ran the ball in the end zone and all that. That was cool to see. 14-0 start to the game. Arizona Mars, a little bit of a comeback. 
And it didn't end well for them, unfortunately. Three touchdowns for Kyler Murray. What a nice, solid game. And 78 yards on the ground. He did lose a fumble, unfortunately, for him. 78 yards on the ground. Didn't throw for a ton of yards at Kyler Murray, but three touchdowns overall made him look pretty good. Bridgewater seems to be getting a weekly interception as well, which is frustrating. But still, you know, that's just how it goes. He's going to get the numbers. He's going to get the interceptions, unfortunately. But he's going to throw for touchdowns and have some solid moments. Nice to see him uh, scamper into the end zone. That was kind of cool. 32 yards on the ground today for Teddy. Not bad. And the Carolina Panthers are kind of sort of in the mix. Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Arizona starting off the season so strong, and now, not really. Now Carolina has a tiebreaker over them. So if they were, you know, if they were both trying to make the postseason with the same record, we know who would be in right now. It'd be the Panthers, plain and simple. Los Angeles Rams, New York Giants are the Giants, the best team in the NFC North, or excuse me, NFC East. No, they're not. They're 0-4. They're completely lifeless and listless. But so is the rest of the division, including the Cowboys, because they can't beat anybody. Except for miracle little comebacks at the end after they give up huge leads. And today it didn't work out. Yeah, don't get cocky versus the Browns now, Dallas. Or anything. 17-9. What a snooze fest. Ugh, Rams and Giants. The Rams are good, but only 17 points. Mm, only 17 points and the Giants are just, you know, what they are. I don't know. That's like another Dwayne Hoskins over there with Daniel Jones, I think. And Jared Goff, he's He's okay. Uh, he's okay. He's not a number one pick in the draft for me. It's just nothing exciting about these two teams, in my opinion. I, I, bah, just blah. I don't know. Um, sometimes the Rams are exciting. I'll, I'll, I'll get off my high horse about that. The Rams can be exciting. And the Giants' <coughs> defense at least showed up to play. And I do like the Rams' uniforms a little bit. At least they, they're more old school than new school, per se, when it comes to the, the color scheme and such. I hated the uh, color scheme from, like, what what was it, 2000 on. Hated it with a passion. It was terrible. Uh, 2000 until a couple years ago. Just garbage. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this one either. Blah. It's just nothing, really, to, to show. Buffalo, Las Vegas, entertaining, I suppose. And the Buffalo Bills are 4-0. and The Vegas Golden... No, the Vegas Silver Knights, the Vegas Raiders. They after a 2-0 start, just like the Arizona Cardinals, dropping back to 2-2, a reality setting in for them, unfortunately. Josh Allen continues to put up solid numbers. Uh, he almost stumbled and fumbled late in the game, which could have really cost him. Uh, Derek Carr and Josh Allen both very solid. They didn't turn the ball over, and good for them. Stefan Diggs, 115 yards in the air. Got it like that. Six receptions on seven targets. It's a good team. It's just a good mix. Their defense is just really solid. Them being the Buffalo Bills, that is. And now their offense again. It's just a, it's a nice, solid package of good players. Uh, Devin Singletary's alright. Josh Allen's very mobile sometimes. He wasn't mobile today at all, but he still got in the end zone, which is kind of funny. Uh, he was only sacked once. And mobility isn't everything, because obviously Tom Brady doesn't get sacked a whole lot just because he's savvy. He knows what he's doing. It's a combination of things. Either you know what you're doing or you're mobile. One of the two, and our certain quarterback really isn't, to be quite honest. So, <laughs> that's just how that goes. <sighs> Oof, boy, it's, uh, mm, I don't know. I, I feel bad. I'd like to see the Las Vegas Raiders get going again. They would have had their first home game last week and then their second home game again, and no, nobody there. It's just how it is what it is. Buffalo, though, really enjoying what they're doing. No doubt about that. 
unfortunately for the uh, New England Patriots, Cam Newton now, uh, coronavirus situation, and what's going to happen there? I don't know <laughs> what's going to happen with the New England Patriots in, in, in that case. They don't have a whole lot of backups in New England that really make you too excited. So, I don't know. It's kind of like no man's land there. Patriots and Chiefs, we kind of have a pretty good idea who's going to win that game, unfortunately. And Packers and Atlanta Falcons, I think it's a pretty good guess who's going to win that one, too. It's kind of a pretty good guess. San Francisco, Philly, same thing, I think, even though there's still no score. Five minutes in at this stage would love the classic 49ers jerseys. Just love it. And Nick Mullins is the quarterback. Not Jimmy G. No Jimmy G right now. Nick Mullins. So, uh, how's that for fun? Uh, it's it, it's not. It's not fun. I talked about New Orleans and Detroit, didn't I? I went off the cup again. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just get silly. It's like I get bored with Detroit so much. I don't even. I I get so lazy about them being in the division. Sometimes it's yeah, they're in the division still, Joey. <laughs> Indianapolis and Chicago. Talk about a ugh, awful game. The the, the Bears suck. Their offense is just garbage. Uh, it was kind of like, but here's the thing. It makes us look a teeny bit better. Even though the Bears' offense is just crap, and their defense is awesome, it's their driving force, and that's why they were 3-0. and Now they're 3-1 and after a 19-11 loss to the Indianapolis Colts. But it makes us, it at least gives us excuses. It doesn't make you feel any better. It really doesn't make you feel any better. But at least it shows that yeah, as awful as Kirk Cousins was in that game and the offense looked like fire Kubiak now. Just fire Kubiak or fire anybody. Fire whoever is involved with the offense and, and trade everybody away except maybe Delvin Cook and the two wide receivers, of course, Jefferson and Thielen, who both, again, were non-factors in that game. But didn't help that the quarterback couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in the game. But nobody's hitting the broadside of the barn against the Indianapolis Colts defense. You think about Frank Reich, you think about Philip Rivers and all that, and you think, yeah, it's an offensive-minded team. No, it's not. It's not an offensive-minded team. It's a team that can get the job done offensively when they need to, and they can put up points when they need to. The Bears' defense wasn't bad in today's game. They kept the Colts to 19 points. That's not that bad. But their offense sucks, and they have a brainiac for an offensive coach, an offensive, an offensive brainiac coach who's not producing. It doesn't help that you screwed up in the draft years ago and took Mitchell Zerbisky when in the same draft where uh, Patrick Mahomes was hanging around you could have taken him instead didn't help at all actually uh, San Francisco wouldn't have minded having Patrick Mahomes either at quarterback as they were bragging and bragging about that one like ha we, we snookered the Bears into trading up for Mitchell Zerbisky yeah well you still didn't get Patrick Mahomes did you and you could have you could have had Patrick freaking Mahomes in San Francisco Oh my, you could have had that. You could have, it would have been like the 80s all over again. Joe Montana, the 49ers winning Super Bowls because with that defense, to go with Patrick Bleepin' Mahomes on the offensive side, <laughs> just give him receivers that are competent and it's game on, baby. I mean, it'd be they'd be winning Super Bowls every freaking year. I mean, you might see your first three-peat with that defense combined with Patrick Mahomes. You might because Kansas City's a bend, but don't break defense. Solid, smart players on it, but not spectacular. Back to the Colts, though. Obviously a very strong defense. And if this team's a threat to do something, I think, in the postseason. And this is a team I was laughing at. I was like, they're not going anywhere. They're going to be like 6-10, and 7-9, maybe maybe 9-7, and seven, and they'll get whooped in the first round. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to get whooped in the first round. As long as Phillip Rivers doesn't go ape-lape and make stupid mistakes... And Frank Wright can kind of rein that in a little tiny bit. Uh, 
Indianapolis Colts could at least at least get to the division round. And it's going to be interesting. They could. Um, they could be a big threat in the postseason. Hopefully, for their sake, they keep it going because that defense is good. That's a damn good defense. Uh, for them to do the job they've done on, you know, for, when you look at how good the Vikings offense actually is, even with some of the questionable play calling and the and the quarterback that just is mind-numbingly frustrating. So for, uh, and you look at what they did to the Vikings a few weeks back, it's pretty impressive, actually. And now this Bears offense, which, again, isn't impressing anybody, but they did mount a pretty beautiful comeback against the crappy Falcons. Last week, Bears dropped two, three, and one, and they're, they're pretty much solidified in at least second place because the Lions sure as hell aren't going to catch them, and I don't know. I still am not super confident the Vikings will, even with this exciting offense as we have. I don't see us doing super well against Seattle coming up. That's the next thing to talk about, the Seattle Seahawks. Are you excited? Are you ready for a Seattle Seahawks game with the Vikings and Sunday night football? <laughs> Seattle and Minnesota, Sunday night football. Yeah, I don't care if there's a 12 fan or not. I really don't care. Uh, a 12 man type of thing. I don't care. They don't need it. I mean, they're 4-0 without it right now. They beat a Miami team that still stinks. 31-23 to in Miami, by the way. Uh, they were just kind of screwing around, it seems like. But they end up winning the game in the end. And good for them. 31-23 Seahawks. But, I mean, it's just you have most likely the MVP of football over there. He did have an interception in the game, which is surprising. And on the other end, though, Ryan Fitz, non-magic, did absolutely nothing except rush for 47 yards. And sure, he threw for 315 in the air, but the mistakes and the just the timely, solid defense by Seattle was more than enough. DK Metcalf, David Moore, Tyler Lockett, even Greg Olson being big factors for the Seattle Seahawks. And you get Chris Carson, the draft pick, was it uh, two years ago now, got two touchdowns, five yards of carry. There's no way you're going to win a football game giving up five yards of carry. It's just not going to happen. It's not. Unless unless the coach on the other side is dumb and doesn't run, doesn't use the running back at all, like John Filippo, which is like the other... You know, it's one thing if you run too much, and it's another when you don't run at all, when it's working. I mean, it's working and you're not running. That's why John Filippo got fired. That was actually happening against Seattle that year, a couple of years back. So remember that game was super well, the Emerald Curtain. <laughs> the defense actually looked decent that day, but it's mostly because our offense was just stupid. Uh, Seattle's pass defense was so good at the time, and the run defense was awful, and Delvin Cook was, like, you know, playing spectacularly at that point. He'd, he'd come back from some of those uh, nagging injuries. Uh, I expect Delvin Cook to have a very strong performance again. I, I just see it. I just see that happening. No doubt about it. Uh, Miami, well, the running game wasn't anything spectacular against Seattle, but they were playing from behind most of the game as well, so it's like can't get too excited. In fact, they were playing from behind the whole time, and if anything, Seattle was just kind of like, I don't know, we're playing Miami. Miami's defense is decent. I don't know. It just kind of is what it is. It, it, wasn't an, it wasn't an entertaining game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, good for Devontae Parker, though, 110 yards in the air. But generally speaking, it's Miami's just right now, they are what they are. They're waiting for Tua and uh, hopefully a lot more. A lot of other prospects and future prospects to step up and hopefully make this team uh, a competitor again. It's been a long, 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 long time. I mean, you had Jay Fiedler and an 11-5 club with Dave Wanstead back in 2000. Outside of that, and that's 2000, folks. You know, like just one year after Marino left. <laughs> yeah. 
he was, uh, there were rumors about him coming to Minnesota, and it, it, it didn't happen, and the Vikings wound up uh, going with Culpepper, and it was a very, very fun season. Very, very fun season. Um, but really, other than that, Miami has not been a factor in eons. Uh, they snuck into the playoffs one year and just got, you know, you know, like once in a blue moon, they, they would sneak into the playoffs and then just get absolutely destroyed. So it's just kind of sad but true. Sha- Shaquille Griffin and Shaquem Griffin. So there's a couple Shaqs on the uh, Seattle defense. you got the Shaq attack. Maybe that's the, you know, their defense has certainly improved. There's a little more Legion of Boom again in, in Seattle. And again, despite Miami's defense being a little bit of a headache, which they can be, and they've kind of traditionally been that way since the Dave Wanstead era, off and on, uh, forcing the interception on Russell Wilson. But uh, generally speaking, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This uh, this Viking secondary against Russell Wilson, and then the Vikings run defense against Russell Wilson as well. Our only hope is that... Uh, <laughs> the Vikings' only hope to really stymie this Seattle offense, particularly Russell Wilson himself, is Yannick Ngakwe to have the game of his life. Like four or five sacks, like a Jared Allen special where Jared Allen just went crazy because, you know, but Ngakwe is obviously more versatile than Jared Allen, where Allen was just basically a pass rushing specialist, and that's fine. Um, hey, if you're super good at it, so be it. Uh, Ngakwe, if he wants up, I mean, that's the one way you can do it is create such a pass rush that Russell Wilson just gets flustered and there's nothing more he can do. Just create absolute havoc on him. That's the only hope the Vikings might have. Ngakwe has the game of his life, but the odds of that happening are so slim against, of all people, Russell Wilson. That that Seattle O-line would have to completely collapse. Uh, (laughs) I mean, the Vikings secondary versus Russell Wilson, I just don't have a whole lot of confidence right now. I don't. Uh, The Vikings... Chances of winning are like, say, Delvin Cook has an unbelievable day. You know, something like, again, you're looking at old school football again if you're going to beat Seattle at the end of the day. I'm not confident Kirk Cousins is going to save the day versus the Seattle Seahawks. It would be Delvin Cook. Um, again, maybe Justin Jefferson has just an unbelievable 200 yard type of day where it's like Randy Moss and Green Bay, 98, that kind of game where. Basically, Kirk Cousins hurls the ball up, and even if it's slightly underthrown, Justin Jefferson is so open it doesn't matter, and it's touchdown time. Like three passes, three touchdowns, 160 yards and on three catches, and then winds up with like 200 total. It would take something crazy like that for the Vikings to beat Seattle. Do I see that happening? No. <laughs> no. I do expect some interesting offensive numbers, though. Seattle's defense is not the Legion of Boom, but it's better than it was. I expect Delvin Cook to get over 100 yards. I expect Justin Jefferson to be a big factor. Of course, of course, Adam Thielen. But, I mean, Justin Jefferson should have a good day. It's going to be an entertaining game. It's not going to be the uh, Emerald Curtain again. It's not going to be like that kind of game where there was absolutely no points. Uh, Kubiak is going to be, he's going to go old school a bit, I'm sure. But, of course, you're going to use your weapons to keep the Seattle defense honest. It's literally the only hope you have. But, I mean, even if we score 35 points in the game, which we very well might, you still, the chances of us actually stopping the Seattle team when it matters, uh, particularly versus Russell Wilson and and these uh, talented receivers versus our rookie cornerbacks and crappy Holden Hill, I'm not real confident. Uh, Seattle's got to win the game. Something along the likes of... (sighs) 
41-31. It's going to be something like that, like a 10-point kind of game. I think the Vikings will be actually kind of competitive. It's going to be kind of like the, the LA Rams game a couple years ago in, in 2018, but in the end, Kirk Cousins will fail. He'll literally like underthrow somebody, overthrow somebody, or throw an interception, or throw the ball backwards. It's going to be something like that. Or just generally speaking, the Vikings' defense is just going to get burned, uh, particularly the uh, the secondary. He's just going to get burned at the end of the day. And and, and with our luck, watch them suspend uh, Harrison Smith now. No, I don't think they will. I think an ejection should be enough. He'll get probably a sizable fine and all that too. Regardless how frustrating it is, that's just how it's going to go. But I'm thinking 41-31. The, the Seattle Seahawks are going to score a lot of points in the game. Uh, that's kind of how I see it right now. 41-31. Very high-scoring game. Entertaining stuff, but... No win for Minnesota. Vikings dropped to one and four versus the Seahawks. I didn't even look at the history. Luckily, I haven't uh, started to move on before that. Seattle twelve and five historically versus the Minnesota Vikings, dating all the way back to 1976, the year my wife was born. She was about a six-month-old baby on November 14th, 1976, and the Vikings defeated the Seahawks in Met Stadium and on en route to our final trip to the Super Bowl later on that year. 27-21, to 21, the Seahawks were a new team in the league because there was no Seattle Seahawks in the 60s. Uh, Vikings were beat by Seattle just a year later. 29-28, entertaining. Or no, two years later, 78, when the Vikings were dropping off and not making the Super Bowl anymore. And Fred Tarkin was super old. Vikings ended up losing actually three in a row to the Seahawks. 1984, six-year wait for that one. Only mustered 12 points. The awful Vikings, the 3-13 and Vikings, tying Leslie Frazier's 2011 club. 20-12 to 12 against the Seattle team then. And Seattle started to get kind of good by the late 80s. They were fun to watch. 1987 Vikings, a very, very good Viking team, got crushed by the Seahawks 28-17. But that was a team that had <coughs> Kurt Warner as a wide receiver. Kurt Warner as a wide receiver. And he was a damn good one, by the way. Uh, that was kind of cool. And you had Mike Tice as a uh, tight end. Pretty cool team, actually. Vikings finally win one, 1990, an awful Viking team. Well, a not very good Viking team in 1990. Yeah, they were they were they were crappy. 24 to 21, disappointing Viking team to say the least. Uh, 24 to 21. You don't hear about the 1990 Vikings a whole lot. Uh, 96 Vikings were not real good either. Unfortunately, we gave up a billion points. That was uh, that was when our running game was just awful. Our secondary was actually kind of good that year, believe it or not. But 42 to 23. I still don't know what the hell that was all about. Was that the game where Rick Meyer just tore us to pieces? I think it was. And we up, dropped the Vikings to 5-5 five and five at the time, and we did make the playoffs. And it was... Nope, nope, it was John Freeze. Rick Meyer was already the backup. That's funny. I think Rick Meyer pounded us uh, before that. I know. I think he was on the Oakland Raiders and beat us. It was a joke, man. Rick Meyer, terrible, terrible bust of a draft pick. He was the number one pick in the draft. Some guy named John Freeze just beat the Vikings. A couple of touchdowns. Warren Moon was lousy, playing for his playing against his future club. And that was the day that Warren Moon got injured. Yep, and then Brad Johnson took over, and he was the Vikings quarterback the rest of the year and took us to a 10-6 and record, if I remember correctly. Or was it 9-7, and and we got beat badly by the Cowboys in the first round in that one. Lamar Smith, wow, the legendary Lamar Smith and Chris Warren, the former Cowboy. Chris Carter had 142 yards, but so what? <laughs> Who cares? Joey Galloway was a superstar back then. I remember that guy for Seattle. Big-time player. Um, 
Because y'all just whooped our butts, though. Yep, Warren Moon. Yep, and I remember the crowd cheered. Warren Moon hurt his ankle, and I think that was it. He got injured against his future team, which is kind of funny, because in 97, Warren Moon was on the Seahawks. 2002, Mike Tice returns to Seattle. It was that much later. Six whole bleeping years later, and this was when the Seahawks were, well, they had players that took them to the Super Bowl a few years later. It was only three years later, but the Seahawks were 0-3. The Vikings were 0-3. 48-23. Oh, oof. I still remember Mike Tice snatch, snapping that gum. Snapping that gum over and over and over again. Just looking at that scoreboard as the Seahawks put up 31 points in that second quarter. And Culpepper turned the ball over like 55 times that season. No joke. It was, I think, even more than that. He had a couple of interceptions in the game. And Trent Pilfer-Dilfer, and this is when he was actually really good with Seattle for a couple of years after winning the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. He was very solid with the Seahawks for a couple of years. He didn't have that great of a game, but it wasn't that bad either. He was just good enough. And Seattle, a couple of years later with uh, Matt Hasselbeck taking over because he knew he wasn't going to play in Green Bay. That's just not going to happen. Um, I think Hasselbeck must have been hurt or something because Mike Holmgren was already coaching this club, right? Yeah, he was already the coach of the Seahawks by then, because he left after 99. So, yeah, Michael Bennett, this is one of his, actually, this is one of the years he was actually halfway decent, 91 yards on the ground. I think this was his one good year, actually, with the Vikings, but Sean Alexander, future MVP, and then did absolutely nothing after he got the MVP. Four touchdowns in the game. Four touchdowns in the game against the Vikings. Wow. That is all. You know, that is all. (laughs) Mill Williams was a Mr. Do-Everything in the game, but it didn't matter that much. Good Lord. Oh, I'll never forget that game. That was awful. It was just, that's games like that that made me hate the Seahawks. It's, it's just like, screw your stupid fans. Your team sucks and you just happen to having, you're having like a crazy good day and you're just trashing us. That's how I felt about that team then and I still do. Uh, I barely, I barely remember this. The Vikings actually blew out the Seahawks in 2003, 34-7. That's just crazy. I can't even envision the Vikings doing that to the Seahawks, but it, I guess it happened. Um, Randy Moss, Culpepper, all that. This is when Culpepper was having an awesome, awesome season after that awful 2002 year. He was so good. And then Culpepper hurt his back, I remember, later on during that season. Michael Bennett, 103 yards on the ground. This had to be like his best game in forever because after that first year, he was awful. The first, that one strong year for Michael Bennett, he was pretty awful. And then Wizenator, Ontario Smith. <laughs> Eddie Johnson. Oh, yeah, that was the punter. Yep, that was the punter. I remember that when he ran for a first down, if I remember correctly. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yep, that's kind of funny, actually. Bobby Ingram. Wow, these are some old names. And Corin Robinson when he was at Seattle. Huh, cool. Culpepper, good solid day on that one. The Vikings and the Seahawks, 8-5 and five after that game. Impressive win for the Vikings against a pretty good team because the Seahawks were getting good by then. See where we were. Yep, then we played it in 2004. We lost 27-23. And then that very impressive uh, Chester Taylor game in Seattle. 31-13. That's the last time the Vikings won in Seattle. 2006, a very, very memorable game. This is, again, the Seahawks on their Super Bowl loss uh, hangover, so to speak. Vikings jumped to 4-2. Seahawks dropped to 4-2. It tells you how terrible the Vikings were after this game. <laughs> Because the Vikings finished six and ten that year, just 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 think about that. 
Brad Johnson was just mediocre at best because he was so past his prime. Um, Mewildy Moore threw a 15-yard touchdown pass. Seneca Wallace, what the hell? Yeah, because Hasselbeck must have got hurt during the course of the game, and Wallace, just terrible. Uh, yep, there it was. Chester Taylor, 169 yards on the ground, and he had a 95-yard touchdown. Three touchdowns in the game. Very entertaining game. And Quest Field. Now it's probably, uh, yeah, something else, because Quest no longer exists. It's a CenturyLink, and, and it is CenturyLink Field. Yep, <laughs> it's just kind of funny how all that works. The Vikings did beat the Seahawks two games in a row, if you can believe it. Because the Vikings won in 2009. Seahawks were not good that year. This was that in-between time when they got, uh, you know, after they lost the Super Bowl to the Steelers, and then they kind of started to suck a couple of years after that. And Brett Favre was the quarterback of the Vikings, and it was the magical 2009 season. That was a lot of fun. November 22nd, 2009. Very easy. 35-9 to win in that one. And I actually did a show for that one. 30-20 loss in 2012. 2013-41-20. Uh, so the Vikings have lost six games in a row to the Seahawks, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be seven. And I'm not trying to be rude. It's just the way it is. 41-20. Uh, again, like I just said, 2013. And then 2015 in December, December 6, 2015, a very strong year by the Vikings, 11-5. and This is when uh, Harrison Smith was injured, and the Vikings secondary was just poo, just absolute poo, and nothing went our way. And it was in uh, uh, TZF Bank Stadium at the time. This was during that time when the Vikings got whooped, just whooped by the uh, Packers and the Seahawks back-to-back -back weeks. And that just wound up being depressing as all get-out. Think about how good the Vikings could have been that year. We could have been 13-3, and 12-4, but we just were just decimated in these games if we could have pulled off something. Then you had the, de the three deadly sins. January the 10th, 2016, the uh, only playoff game ever played in TCF Bank Stadium, and we were back outdoors at the cold again, and that deadly, tough Russell Wilson was shaken and scared. and or, you know he wasn't, sh he wasn't scared, but he was very much shaken by the cold. You could see him shivering out there. And Teddy Bridgewater was solid. We kept the we kept the Seahawks to absolutely nothing, and then you had the three deadly sins with Josh Robinson uh, giving up a what well, should have been a fourth down, a fourth and long. Vikings would have had the ball back and probably would have iced the game. Adrian Peterson fumbles, and then of course Blair Walls misses the kick. It was just complete crap. Thank you, Adrian Peterson, by the way. Thank you, thank you once again for screwing us in a playoff game. Uh, Seahawks win 21-7 in 2018 during that crappy uh, second half of that year. And, uh, yep, that was that was the one. That was where uh, Mr. Filippo got fired after that game. It was just complete crap. Or was it after the Patriots right after that? I mixed up. I think this was the one. Yeah, the Patriots was the week before. And then we fired Filippo and gave uh, Mr. Uh, Stefanski a shot there. Kevin Stavansky. And December the 12th, last year, Seahawks win 37-30. Vikings were actually competitive, but did not win the game, unfortunately. Would have been nice, but it just didn't didn't happen. It prevented the Vikings' chances of having any type of a division championship, first-round bye type of situation. That was pretty much all she wrote. Whew, with that said, that was a mouthful. Seahawks, 12-5 and overall versus Minnesota, and I do not think the Seahawks are going to lose to the Vikings next week. With that said, sorry for going so long again. I just, I when I go down memory lane, I can't help myself. It's it's very memorable with this team. I wish it was more positive. With that said, we'll get back for some fan interaction right after this.
And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three, fan interaction segment at Purple Mafia Show. At Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account. Unfortunately, no call-ins this week. Just felt a little more quiet, more melancholy this week for some reason, but at least we won, too, so we're not as pissed off and and animated and stuff or just, like, analyzing exactly who we're going to be taking in the draft already. We're not talking about the draft just yet, even though I'm sure that's not too far away. Yeah, man. Not that confident in the roster just yet, but thank you for retweeting Tanae Brown and Malcolm McSween. Tanae Brown out of New Zealand, Malcolm McSween out of <laughs> out of Southern California, and Malcolm McSween's case. Uh, thank you very much, Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland. So we're going north, south, and to New Zealand. Pretty cool. Mad Martin says another good podcast. Not finished it yet. But with you on cousins, eating cap is bang on. Yep, and yep, and you're the one that said it also, my friend. Uh, it's it's just been absolutely frustrating, to say the least. So, let's see, continue exactly what he was saying here. Uh, pay top five quarterback money, expect top five performance. He is just too inconsistent. That's what it is. Inconsistent. Uh, mid-tier quarterback should get mid-tier money. And to me, he is a mid-tier quarterback because of the lack of, uh, you know, the lack of vision basically, generally speaking, from Kirk Cousins, in my humble opinion. It's not about bashing and all that. And I think I lost, like, one person from Facebook. I don't know what it was. Uh, it's like, at least it's not more than one. But I don't know if it, I'm too, because I'm too negative, I'm too positive, I'm too this, I'm too that. I'm not, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my, my politics bother you. I don't know. I don't really talk that much politics. Maybe I'll throw in little hints here and there. But I don't make it a big thing. So, that's just, I don't know, I don't make it a big thing, generally speaking. Mad Martin continues, I better stop it. Way too much money invested, hence nothing left to put players in place to help his performance. Like, yeah, like an offensive guard or tackle, well, tackle especially. Uh, that was that would just be absolutely uh, helpful in a big way. Oh, man, we're dying for that. You're absolutely dying for that in this part of the part of the country. Uh, elite quarterbacks can drag a poor team up into the playoffs. He cannot do that. End of debate. Yeah, it was kind of like Kirk Cousins helped last year the Vikings get there, but I think it was kind of a little bit of everything else that got us there at the end of the day. Some strong defensive pass, strong defensive games, not by Xavier Rhodes or anything, but but by this and that. And Delvin Cook was unbelievably like MVP-like in the early stages of the season last year before it got to a point where he couldn't land on this side of his body. You know, see, that'll just make it worse. Yeah, I don't know. Mad um, Barn was saying solid start on both sides of the ball, and generally speaking, the Vikings were solid. Uh, he says the loss of Harrison Smith showing right now, uh, showing right there for the D, starting to get that bad feeling about this game. Yeah, because the Vikings were starting to choke away in the second half. He says we need we need them to support the D. We get what we'd expect. Uh, when we need them to support the D, we get what we expect. Yeah, but it's absolutely nothing. <laughs> Last week we witnessed what a weapon a clutch kicker can be. I never expect Bailey to make anything 45-plus at this point. I'm with you, brother, on that one. Let's see, what was he... Uh, yep, that was Malcolm McSween, and... Yeah, that was Malcolm McSween, not Matt Martin. I apologize there to both of you there uh, at the end of the day. So, we'll keep moving around here. But, yeah, for me, yeah, Bailey. I forget, what was I did respond to him. Yes, I did. I was saying I agree with that. I don't feel super confident. He's solid but not strong. So he's one of those guys who can make kicks like 40 in. Like he's going to make pretty much all of those. But then other than that, it's like, (laughs) 
it's just like uh, you know, not nothing special really. Other than that, you can't really count on anything too far out. Mad Martin. Now, what was I saying when he says I'm with you, brother? Uh, okay. Oh yeah, I was saying cousins cucks. Basically, like cousin sucks. Yeah. And now Bailey can't make anything. So great. Bunch of losers. I was ranting, so apologize for that if some of you are so mad about the uh, about me saying that. Uh, he says, when we need them to support the D, we get what we expect. I was saying, hopefully this time it'll be different. Keep going back to the draft. I keep going back to the draft. And he says, I'm with you on that, brother. Yep. Yep. Uh, just no questions. Uh, Mad Martin says, at last a victory, but the sea chickens are next. Yep. And that concludes the Twitter account. Again, at Purple Mafia Show. No questions about that. No questions about that. So, we'll continue from last week's show on the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Episode 322, No Leadership When Needed Most, was the title of that episode. Gerald Sering out of Nebraska says, Looking forward to giving a listen. Sounds like a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah, that's, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, you try to bury a team at opportune times and you just don't do it. I mean, that's going to kill you. Again, all comments are relevant, so they all matter. They're all relevant, this and that. Dave Hickey out of Iowa. Iowa, no, Iowa says, now this was about, uh, I was saying Titans Vikings suspend in-person activities after Titans eight positive COVID-19 tests. And overall, apparently it was 20 people involved with that team, which is insane. Dave Vicky says, this is where the Vikings always seem to get screwed. Basically, get one day of practice where the Texans get several days, and the Titans are to blame for that. They had team staff test positive a couple of days before they played the Vikings. They should have they should get fined or lose draft picks. Yeah, that was really frustrating. Dave Vicky was saying another nail-biter. Somehow this one wound up on the... Oh, weird. Yeah, somehow his comments won up on this one because it was like today's game. That's weird. Brad McCarthy says, well, I guess we'll be off this week. Okay, this is five days. Yep. Yep, we thought we were be off, but we weren't. Gerald Strings says, hey, maybe we won't lose this weekend. <laughs> that was funny. Ioka sucks, according to Dave Picky. Yeah, he was frustrating. Kurt Back says, does that mean no football? And luckily, the Vikings had zero positive cases. So pretty damn cool, actually, at the end of the day there. Uh, where's the in-game thread? 32 comments. All of that good stuff. As now here's the in-game thread. Dave Vicky says the Vikings got lucky there. Maybe I should scroll all the way down. And I hate this most relevant nonsense. It's all comments, damn it. Though maybe it'll scramble everything. I wish it would show the older ones first and the newer ones last, but I guess we'll just scroll upward. Okay, that would probably be the smart way to do it. Brad McCarthy was saying need to get Jefferson going. Dave Vicky, Brad, Brad McCarthy out of South Dakota. Dave Vicky out of Iowa. Dave Vicky says this is where... We see who Kirk Cousins is. Is he going to be a failure or lead this team? Well, I don't think he led the team. He, he, he luckily didn't screw us in the end, but he almost did with those under underthrown passes. So, yeah, it's really crazy when you think. He says, side note, those Baker, Baker Mayfield commercials are so stupid. <laughs> well, that sucks. Smith is out. He knew it, too. Yep, Brad McCarthy, yep. There's a lot of good morning. Cook is on fire. Unreal. Get a drive going and stall. Yep. Yep, yep, kind of in ongoing stuff. And I was saying, Susan's cucks. Yep, I generated. I thought that generated a plot reply, but it didn't. Weird. I Oh, no. Now something just went way off, off here. It went to my profile. That's kind of dumb. Great. Don't you just love when Facebook gets funky on you? 
Let's see. Let's go back to where we were. Okay. Skip all of my stuff, of course. Dave Hickey says, this is where we run into problems. Zimmer doesn't make halftime adjustments on what teams are going to do. It's lo- it, it hurts losing Harry the Hitman, too, especially when I'm wearing his jersey today. Oh, wow. Nice. Very cool there. Uh, luckily, it got you some luck, despite the uh, ejection. Mark Carlson, Iowa, says, I can't believe we are 0-3. Here we go. Week 4. Please, no turnovers this week. Dave Hickey was saying, what team are we going to get today? Hopefully... Not the unprepared team for the first two weeks. Last week was a normal was a normal team that screws himself and makes mistakes, but is competitive. Jesse Ball says somebody has to win. I want to tank for Trevor, but we re-upped Kurt. Sad, Kirk. Sad. So now, I don't think Trevor is possible. No one in their right mind would pick up Kirk's contract. Yep, I understand that. Uh, uh, MacArthur is saying, damn, Jefferson catches everything. Yeah, he's like glue hands, man. Uh, just like how they joke about how the, that uh, commercial with the the garbage can, how <laughs> Stefan Diggs couldn't get his hands off of it because he's, he's just he's got glue hands, this and that. It was kind of funny. Um, they think he was saying, it's going to be up to Cousins because you know the Texans are going to tie it up and they just about did, Dave. Boy, we are lucky we got that call in the end, aren't we? He says, Vikings got lucky there. Yep, yep, yep. The, the call against um, <laughs> the call against uh, I can't even remember the receiver's name anymore I've kind of moved on but uh, obviously this one of the star receivers for Houston uh, Brad McCarthy says guys and gals this is a young team going to be a lot of ups and downs on the on the Thielen uh, lots of ups and downs on the Thielen touchdown if the offense plays like that and starts to gel they'll be fun to watch and I think that's exactly where we're heading at the end of the day um, I do. Vikings very fortunate though on that fact that 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 the ball was uh, there was no control of the ball where Houston should have been able to at least be in position to tie the game up, but there was uh, there just the ball was not controlled. That was uh, it was an incomplete pass, no doubt about it. The ball hit the ground. It was kind of bouncing and all that. That was Will Fuller there in the end, and the Vikings super lucky as that was one of the few. Target. That was the only target in the game where Will Fuller didn't make the catch. Great. It was a great play, but he just couldn't hang on to the ball at all. Uh, luckily, the uh, Houston Texans couldn't really get Randall Cobb going other than a big play down the stretch, that 23-yard reception that got Houston moving during that final drive. But uh, again, thankfully, that did not kill the Vikings in the end. Let's get to the post-game comments. Again, a bit quieter this week than in past weeks, and I just I can sense it. Hopefully the numbers don't dip too much. Hopefully you haven't all given up on the show either and think it's not fun anymore. I apologize if, if, if that's the case in, in your mind. Mark Carlson says, I really wasn't expecting the season to start like this. I also didn't think the team would win today either. Can we get a safety that has more speed and can cover a receiver without giving up so many yards? I think the team lacks confidence. Yeah, I mean, there there is a lack of confidence in that secondary, no question. Except when they make a stop of some kind, they make all kinds of gestures like, yeah, like Holden Hill, like, yeah, you know, no, not in my house. Uh, that's been an open door a lot of the times, Holden. <laughs> Come on now. And hopefully, uh, hopefully Holden Hill can regain some of that confidence and improve. As there were early moments in this game, it looked like he was improving. Dave Vicky again, Iowa says, well, we escaped Houston with a hard-fought victory. It should not have been that close, but a win is a win. Skull, yep. Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi says, feels great. Good to get a win and see the team improving. Skull. And yeah, I think they improved a bit, but also Houston 
Ooh, what a mess. Dave Vicky says, you like that, Mike Fellers. Yep, Mike Fellers. <laughs> I gotta like that. Mike Fellers through Evans, right? <laughs> Leland Albertson, there he is. He says, it's like the preseason is over. Let the games begin. I hope so. Brad McCarthy says, take it. Going to be an up and down year. Defense is shaky. Yep, yep. Jeff Froyland, welcome back, says, it's not too often the Vikings win on a technicality. Yep, that meaning a, cl- a close play. I'll take it. Though Saints fans would argue with that about last year's touchdown with Kyle Rudolph. I don't think it was a push-off. I think there was contact on both sides. But, again, Saints fans would argue with you, unfortunately. That's just an unfortunate, frustrating reality at the end of the day uh, in that one. So that's con- that concludes the, f- the fan interaction. Yep, definitely smaller this week. But it's okay. It is what it is. Maybe we just want to get out of here and move on. They're that kind of thing. Yep, I've been kind of melancholy feeling. You know, I'm not too excited, not too, uh, I'm not too down, not too excited, just kind of melancholy right now. And I apologize if, I, I, I hope that doesn't bother anybody. It just was that kind of day where, yes, we won, but it's not exciting, and it, we're not angry either. We're not angry either in terms of, like, what the bleep was that? That was the worst game ever, and we need to get rid of everybody blah, 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 blah. Still can't believe Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. Yep. Well, that, that is true. I, I, I wish he wasn't the quarterback after this season, but what are you going to do? <laughs> That's just where we stand. Uh, the stars for the episode? I think Dave Hickey's got to get the gold star. Uh, Mad Martin's going to get a nice, juicy silver star because yeah, he's, he's, he's a legend. And bronze star. I'm going to go with Malcolm McSween. Uh, nice uh, tweet there. Thank you again very much. Very, very quiet day, guys. But uh, I appreciate the comments, though. I mean, you're still the backbone of the show. Every one of you is the backbone of the show. I appreciate you all like you wouldn't believe. Keep commenting. Thank you, Malcolm. Always love to hear from you. Hope hope to hear from you more and more often. Cedric Paulding. Mel, you know, every one of you, though. I mean, you guys out of Iowa, Leland and Mark and, and Dave Hickey, just legends, absolute legends. Uh, always appreciate you. Brett McCarthy's like a backbone type of guy, too. He's going to get a bronze star just because he's always there. Just love that guy. Uh, thank you, Brett. Um, you guys are just, uh, again, the backbone of the show. Can't thank you enough. You keep me coming, and hopefully I can keep you going also as well with this club and the, this league, despite you know the, the frustrations from COVID, the frustrations from political this, political that, and the frustrations of the play on the field and the poor cap management Due, due to, well, the poor, the cap management's been fine until the Kirk Cousins signing. That's when you realize the cap management isn't so good because simply because of one player hogging up the whole damn salary cap, and he's not that good, actually. Uh, you know, if it's Brett Favre, you know, if it's Brett Favre at 32 instead of uh, Kirk Cousins, I can understand that kind of money going that direction. Like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Drew Brees, like a Tom Brady, like a this. Like a that, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a blah, 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 blah. I could go on for 50 years. Every Hall of Fame quarterback that's ever existed. Steve Young. I mean, you could just go on. This and that. But instead, we got Bernie Kosar, or whatever the hell you want to call him. A guy with a big name and a big arm, but just small production, small results. Some numbers sometimes are not enough. Tough times don't last. Tough guys do. Well, it seems like good times don't last either. The the tough times don't last, but the good times don't last either, Kurt. Kirk. I keep calling him Kurt, like my friend Kurt back on there. You see a lot of times. What an awesome guy he is, by the way. Yeah, I hope, hope, hope you're listening, Kurt, by the way. Uh, <laughs> 
Can't thank you guys enough for always being a part of this show. It's nice to look at the beautiful fall colors, but spring cleanups are coming, or fall cleanups are coming soon. I wish it was spring cleanups. I do, because that would mean more sunlight. <laughs> that would mean a lot more sunlight. I have a lot more energy than I do nowadays. This time of year, I just kind of get like, Ugh, especially in the mornings when it's time to cut grass for like the last couple times, and then it's off to freaking cleanup season, which is some of the hardest times of the year because it's dark and you can't get up very easy and then you get rushed like hell because everything's got to get done by a certain day. That's just the way life is sometimes. I uh, hope all of you are doing well. Again, check out the Gone Puck Wild if, if you like. my uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a writer there now. My other podcast, Brave the Wild for Hockey, Timberwolves Explosion for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Major shout-outs to all of you out there and uh, just thank you all again for keeping things coming. Please give a positive rating for Purple Mafia on iTunes or apparently Stitcher. You can do that as well. I just realized somebody wrote an extremely, extremely complimentary uh, review for Brave the Wild. Not for Purple Mafia, but for Brave the Wild on Stitcher. That was just something. I'll read that on the next Brave the Wild episode. Wow, what a fun one. Hockey draft's coming up, so again, keep up with that if you give a crap about hockey. I I do. (laughs) Hopefully you do as well. Otherwise, again... Please call in if you could. I, I was almost about to recite the number. There's no number anymore. That's long, long, long gone. Uh, just treat your phone like a, like a, or just treat your smart device like a phone, because it is a phone. Uh, use the free voice recording application and treat it like a phone call would make more sense. Just open it, press record, treat it like a phone call, hit stop, keep it to like five minutes or so, and email it to me at paladinolive at yahoo.com or share it is an easy way of putting it. Paladino Live at Yahoo.com. That will be in the show description to make things easy for copy, paste, all that good stuff. And then I can convert it into an MP3 file thanks to Zumzar.com, who do, a, who do a very, very valuable service to this show whenever I get calls from Dave, Brent, uh, Gerald. And if I did miss a call from any of you, I deeply apologize because I looked and I didn't see anything. Please, please do call in. I, 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 I want to hear from somebody out there. Mark Carlson, I haven't heard from you in a long time. Dave Hickey, haven't heard from you in a long time. Sebastian Barton, if he happens to be listening, wouldn't that be great to hear that voice again? Oh, that'd be amazing. Uh, all that energy and excitement. <laughs> and, though well, he, he turns it to anger, especially at this point in time. I don't think he's a big Kirk Cousins fan, because there's no way he's a big Kirk Cousins fan. <laughs> if I'm not, he's probably not either. Uh, but, no, I want to hear from you guys again. Dave Martin's just the greatest uh, I mean, when he calls, it's just like, yes, yes, yes. It's just so good. So hope all of you are doing okay. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay everything. And we will talk to you in a week and see if the Vikings can pull off a miracle. <laughs>